And we begin with good day, sir. <laughs> Geeks come in all shapes and sizes. Um, and that they come into all kinds of things. That <laughs> uh, I was thinking more about the satanic panic. By the scholar Gary Gygax. Well, wait, hold on. I said good day, sir. Not defending Roman slavery by any no, stretch. By but oh God, that's bad. Let them vote. Fuck off. <laughs> when historians, and especially British historians, yeah. want to get cute. Oh, it's, it's in there. Uh, okay. it, it is not worth the journey. This is a geek history of time. Where we connect nerdery to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a seventh grade world history teacher here in Northern California with a two-year-old son. Uh, I teach one section of uh, English where I try to uh, beat proper grammar and uh, writing style into the heads of seventh graders. It's a thankless task. Who are you? I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a high school Latin teacher up here in Northern California, and for one period a day, I also teach world history kids about world history. So I kind of take the baton from you and run with it when they're three years older and have remembered everything. I'm also the parent of two children. <laughs> your, uh, your faith, your, your childish faith is inspiring. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's naivete. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> you have alcohol. I have hope. Um, but I also have uh, a seven-and-a-half-year-old, almost an eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old uh, uh, whom I'm raising to be good little geeks. So uh, that's Geek. that's me. All right. And if people, if so, this is their first episode, first off, they should back up by about three episodes so they get to the beginning of what you're about to of tell what us. We're, of what we're talking about, yeah, because yeah. we've, we've spent an awful lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about um, what what an almighty genius uh, Robert E. Howard was. Yes. Uh, in in the in the King sense of having an almighty big knife, and uh, also uh, we've spent at least a couple of episodes now uh, giving you plenty of time to exercise your hate boner for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> oh, which, I've been I, I'm know. still stroking. It's it's good. I'm I'm going for the slow burn. So yeah, it's it's a worthy it's a worthy thing in and of itself. Thank but, you. Uh, but when, also when, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, uh, but when we left off, yes. uh, we had actually just kind of gotten to the point where I, I'd actually started talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. Conan Barry, 1982. Right. Uh, released, filming in 81, uh, which is, of course, at basically the same time that uh, Reagan got inaugurated. And, of course, it was being filmed uh, in the immediate wake of the Reagan campaign. Mm-hmm for the president. And we've talked a little bit about John Milius mm-hmm. only a little bit, but we've, we've, we've talked tellingly about, you know, what, what his, uh, uh, influences were kind of where he was coming from. How he was kind of so a standout ne- amongst his peers too. Well, yeah. 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 In that uh, he was like, all of them kind of had the same willingness and glee in abusing their casts. Um, in, <laughs> in what they call the auteur <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. But at the same so, time, so, he was politically very different than they. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Cause, cause, <clears throat> and, you know, and, and now, now we're going to get into analyzing some of that stuff. Mm, good. Uh, you know, cause, cause we left off like in, in the immediate moments before we left off last time. Uh, I was I was kind of finishing up with with a kind of straight comparison between who Conan and the other characters were in the books in mm-hmm. the in the stories that were actually written by Howard, and uh, who who they wind up being, what they wind up representing mm. in Milius's version of the story. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, one, one of the things I want to go back and I want to, I want to hit on this right now at the beginning, just so it's there kind of at the forefront as we go forward is that, you know, Howard wrote really extensively Mm -hmm. to all the members of the Lovecraft circle, but especially Lovecraft, who is his bestie about the, the conflict and the dichotomy between barbarian virtue and civilized decadence and corruption. Yes. And as we pointed out last time, that was very much a regional thing because of where he was living. Yeah. And in, in, in that civilization is corruption. Right? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he, he had seen, uh, uh, the, the little West Texas town where he'd grown up, uh, turn into an overcrowded, bustling place where a whole bunch of business types showed up uh, with the oil boom and uh, were making money off of the labor of a bunch of rough characters who were working as, as roughnecks on the oil rigs. And, you know, the, the background of that whole region had been built on conflict with the Native American tribes. Right. And, Native American, you know, and, and, and there'd been massacres of Native Americans, massacres of settlers by Native Americans. And, and let's not lynching. forget it's on stolen Mexican territory. Like yeah. And the very whole thing exception Texas, was Texas. invaded. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole thing, the whole thing was, was a, um, <laughs> was a very Gygaxian, uh, uh, colonist kind of, kind of freehold thing, move yes. to Mexico, take your slaves with you and, you know, settle because the Mexican government wants you to, well, you know, now that we're here, we don't want to be Mexican anymore. Right. You know, we're a and, republic. and that whole, we're a republic now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Slave owning republic. Let's talk about the moral implications of that for a moment, assholes. But anyway, <laughs> and now, and now we're going to be part of the Confederacy, which is like, the fuck anyway yeah. sorry i'm i'm getting i'm we're getting off the subject so uh what we what we have then going on there mm-hmm. uh is yeah like you say it's it's a very regional thing because of course lovecraft was descended from i mean i'd be surprised to find out that lovecraft wasn't wasn't in fact a, a member of the mayflower society himself sure. i i do a lot of direct research into lovecraft specifically but, you know, he's coming from New England, which mm. was, you know, settled by the Puritans. And their whole ethos was, at, at the time of settling that, was we're going to build God's city out of the wilderness and the forest is darkness, the forest is chaos. Right. We're going to push that back. And so the two of them, have, yeah, we're going to push that back. We're mm-hmm. going gonna to inflict civilization on the world. They wouldn't have used the word inflict. That's just me editorializing. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, going, we're would, going to bring... Would you life. use that word? Were they Catholic settlers? Yes. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. Good my, for you. I'm, I'm just going to say my, my, <laughs> my intellectual honesty would, would force me to do that. <laughs> my, my prejudice against them as, like, massive Calvinists maybe adds to the asperity of my language in other ways. <laughs> sure. But I, I think, I think the verb is apt no matter who you're talking about. I, yeah. I think, um, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, there, there can be debate about how much of the black legend is anti-Catholic propaganda. Sure. There cannot really be debate about the fact that uh, the conquistadors inflicted civilization on every place they they landed to. Right. So, you know, and and a European vision of civilization, because of course, when they got to Mexico and they ran into the Aztecs, they saw a civilization, but it wasn't civilization they recognized as civilized. Sure. 
because you know they were they were performing human sacrifice in in terrifically sanguinary kind of ways and 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 their model of civilization in a whole bunch of other ways was not compatible to what the Spanish looked at as being, well, you know, we're civilized and you're all a bunch of savages who've, you know, somehow managed to build a, a sophisticated economy and right. a massive capital city that's larger than Rome is right now. But that doesn't mean you're civilized. Right, right. And that, that yeah. sanguinist uh, kind of uh, impact we've also talked about in in my magnum opus, uh, the, the wrestling yes. episode where we talk yeah, about oh, Puerto yeah. Rican wrestling and... <laughs> Lucha wrestling and stuff like and, that. And, so. Yeah, yeah, Luchador. So, um, so anyway, but back to back to Howard. You know, his his primary conflict was this idea that um, that uh, you know c- civilization was was a weakening force that that it was through the vital struggle of right. an individual against uh, uh, outside forces that that you got uh, virtue and strength. And, you know, meanwhile, what I, what I brought up, uh, you know, in, in the comparison between the books and, and Milius's work, um, you know, in, in Milius's Hyboria, what we see aesthetically on the screen is everybody's a barbarian. Right. And so Milius doesn't see the conflict as being between civil civilization and barbarism. Uh, he sees it as individual vitality versus collective malaise, and that's where we get to. Yeah, that's Reagan Nietzsche. All over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, totally Reagan, and yeah. it's and that's and and it's all because he's got you know you you have a a, 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 a hate hard on for Reagan. He has just a straight up regular hard on. <laughs> well, not really straight, but he has uh, a, he has a hard on. Certainly for, leans right. For, yeah. For Nietzsche. Yeah. Well, I meant straight. You know. Uh orientation gotcha anyway so but he's he has he has just a massive throbbing erection for nietzsche you know the whole time he's doing it because again he opens the film you know the very first thing that passes across the screen is that which does not kill us makes us stronger for nietzsche which is the dumbest thing that anybody has ever grabbed from nietzsche because well yeah like if you're gonna take anything from (laughs) nietzsche's work that's like that's 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 the cliff's notes that get taken down by the guy who gets an F on the final exam. Right. Like, right. You know, it sounds and, and cool. It, like it looks cool on a tattoo, but you can yeah. literally poke a hole in it as soon as someone gets pneumonia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> there you got to go getting all scientific about it. But, you know, I. You know, to to a to a twelve or a thirteen year old who's mm-hmm. you know who I was when I watched this movie you know a hundred times sure. on on VHS. Oh yeah, it sounds really profound. It's like oh yeah, man, oh that's badass. You I'm know, down for that. Yeah. Um, now I'm now that I'm in my now that I'm in my forties and I've had a little bit. I've gotten a little more mileage under my belt. I'm <laughs> like, you know what? There have been plenty of opportunities that I've had in my life where yes, what doesn't what did not kill me made me stronger. My divorce being you know primary example sure but there's also been plenty of shit i've survived it like i'm definitely no, weaker man, for it, it. Left, <laughs> yeah it, well I, I you know maybe not weaker is the right word but i didn't gain any strength out of it i gained a bunch of fucked up coping mechanisms like right you know, right you know strength or weakness whatever you know but like i i now you know my wife and i occasionally play find the trigger like okay this conversation is now you know hitting me in a place where you know, I need to think real hard about, you know, where, where my emotional reaction is coming sure. from. Give me a minute. Yeah. 
Um, and so, no, that doesn't always work that way. You, you know, crypto fascist <laughs> asshole. And so, you know, speaking of um, crypto fascists, I just want to, and, okay. and forgive me, I'm stepping on your thunder here. Um, but, uh, one guy who absolutely loved and adored Nietzsche was Adolf Hitler. Oh yeah, he ad- he adopted oh. the Ubermensch, the the Superman, all this kind of stuff, and yeah. Nietzsche almost absolutely would have hated the shit out of Hitler, like he would have looked down on him in a way that like, uh, well because he was yeah. an intellectual midget. I mean, yes, I mean he he would have like, considered him one of the chattering dwarves. Yeah, well, you know, and, and again, yeah, intellectual midget, chattering dwarf. Hey, yeah. got it in one. Thank right. you. You know, but like I, it's you just know. it's so funny to me that the the guy who fanboyed the most was just completely would have been looked down on completely by the guy he was fanboying on. Although he did that with oh, Mussolini yeah. too. Like he was so stoked to get to see Mussolini. And Mussolini is like, I don't want to talk to this fucking guy. Uh, so, <laughs> and like put yeah. him off for almost yeah. a year. But, yeah. Well, but, the, only, the only reason he ultimately did wind up talking to him was because, well, you know, the Germans are really good at building shit. Right. Yeah. Like, Hitler was blessed you know, need, with the German army. Need... Mussolini was cursed with the Italian army. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, so and on a complete on a complete side note from all of that, mm-hmm. that if you as as the as as an aviation nut by way of being the son of an aviator, right? Um, if you ever look at any of the warplane designs that the Italians came up with, mm-hmm. they're absolutely gorgeous. Oh. The thing is, the Italian Air Force had aircraft, you know, because we're talking about being cursed with the Italian Army. I think it's worth sure. noting that that in terms of, uh, of the technology they had available, at least for their Air Force, mm-hmm. the aircraft they built were fucking beautiful. Were they? Like, okay. like think of think of the best high performance, gorgeous Italian sports car you could think of. Okay. And then put it in the air wings and then put wings on it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it was their, their beautiful pieces of machinery. That explains, that explains the, uh, the, the brand name Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's clearly Italian. Yes. Yes. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Why is that? What's what's the minute mark? Right uh, Thirteen and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're you're in the zone. You're yeah. in the, you're in the yeah. groove. <laughs> um, but you know, but but the thing is, the problem was they built them the same way they built all of those supercars, mm-hmm. which is by hand, one at a time. So they had you four know. really cool aircraft. So, so they so they <laughs> so they had like you know a dozen really great aircraft, and the right. Germans had like you know every Messerschmitt. Like there was, right. you know, the Sock Wolf 190, they had, you know, 10,000 of the bloody things, right. which by the way is also a pretty good high, perf- high performance airplane. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyway, getting off the subject again. So, so, but talking about our, our the analysis of what we're looking at, Milius's mm-hmm. whole, Milius's whole, whole axis. Yes. Uh, yeah. On 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 looking at these stories <laughs> mm-hmm. was he he didn't he he didn't twig to again civilization versus barbarism he twigged to individual will okay you know and that and makes so, sense so late again 70s, coming out of the late yeah. 70s in in film school yes and yeah. and so you know in in that time period we we were looking at the development of a movie about a rugged amoral driven ind- individual mm-hmm. who ultimately overthrows a dictator who rules his followers through sorcery and unholy charisma right 
Okay. Those followers, we're talking about the, the cult of Set. Right. Are used to subvert existing power structures and grant greater power and more followers to the cult's leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. The cult leader promises his followers paradise at the cost of individual will. This is sounding like he's going off against the uh, SAG. The Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> <laughs> it really... <laughs> you know, I hadn't thought of that. But, you know, there's... there's well, given there's the Reagan connection and how Reagan, yeah. like... <laughs> and, and union busting. Yeah. And, uh, it's true. So... Oh, wow. So, so... But but what I what I was looking at mm-hmm. in that is, you know, we're talking about a single leader right. at the top of what is clearly a hierarchical structure, mm-hmm. um, promising a utopia mm-hmm. at the cost of individual freedom of will. Oh, I know where you're going. Clearly, mm-hmm. I mean, based on the way we were raised to look at them, that's mm-hmm. an anti-Soviet kind of allegory that's true that was not where i was going but yeah you're absolutely okay, right where, where, okay i want to hear where you were going uh, cults are huge from the late 60s to the early 70s oh, yeah, well, yeah. so that's just baked into the culture and oh, yeah. both well, you know. left and right but like ultimately it is a promise to liberate people from the strictures of individualism and the failure that you can run yeah. into and you just have to sacrifice all of your you know somebody else gets to make the decisions for you and it's really popular yeah. through the 70s. I mean, we can name a number of cults through oh, the yeah. 70s well, that I mean, did horrible, horrible shit. And so oh, that would have been in the culture at the time. That would have been oh, yeah. a part of it all. Well, yeah. And, and we talked about that mm-hmm. briefly mm-hmm. in the last episode, talking about how, you know, the cult of set in the movie is a cult. Right. Whereas in the books, it's the state religion of, of Stygia. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a thing. So um, our hero, mm-hmm. continuing our analysis, our hero in the film is a superlative physical specimen Yes, who defeats the cult leader mm-hmm. through sheer determination, bloody-mindedness, and raw physical prowess. I would borrow from Nietzsche here and say through force of will. Yes. Yeah. The, yes, for, through I, the I, will I, to I, power, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Through the yeah, – very good. Thank yes. You. But what I would what I would point out is he doesn't do anything particularly fucking clever. Right. No, he doesn't. And Conan, Conan Conan is not an intellectual giant by any nope. stretch of the imagination. He, what he is is a determinator and a physical Superman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he's um, actually the id Superman's ego, as I said last yeah. time. But I was going to say, um, just refresh for people who haven't heard the yeah. episode on Captain America. Um, what is a yeah, determinator? Yeah. Mm. Right. Sorry. Um, I'm stealing the term from TV tropes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a determinator is a character who who does not quit. Right. Ever for anything. It's it's it is. It it of course is a play on words on Terminator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely will not stop until you are dead. And it is determinator in mm-hmm. that. No, no. I this protagonist or supporting character or whoever have decided. No, no. I'm going to do this. Right. And it doesn't matter how many times you beat me up. Doesn't matter how many times I'm, I suffer a setback. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how many times you shoot me. Right. You're going to have to kill me stone cold fucking dead. Mm-hmm. And then incinerate my body. Because again, in Conan, they do kill him. That's true. On the tree of woe. That's a crucify him. And 
Yes, crucified. Let, let him con- let, contemplate this upon the tree of woe, yes. which I'm going to get to in a second. Oh, cool. Um, they they do that to him, mm-hmm. and then uh, Mako. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Akiro, <laughs> the wizard. <laughs> yeah, played by played by Mako in yes. in. Oh my God! You know, talk about underappreciated acting parts. Oh, yeah, but that anyway, was amazing. Absolutely. Um, but any, so anyway, he gets brought back to fucking life, and mm-hmm. then goes, "All right, yep, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. Like that's it. Yeah. Like you should have you, killed me quick. <laughs> you should you should have you should have killed me quick, and yep. you should have then torn my body down and burned it because now mm-hmm. you fucked up. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's strictly his his physical prowess mm-hmm. and his bloody mind literally bloody minded determination that that brings him the victory there there is no no man this is like this is going to be like a, a sword and sorcery heist movie like i've got a plan we're going to figure all this out like i got but a they trick did, they did have a plan in the movie though like that that was stealing and they even told him dude put your vengeance aside right now we're stealing the princess <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. But but in the end, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. That's true. That's true. And, you know, and it all went out the window. Yeah. Um, so. And then uh, he got to nobody, do all of his uh, kicking everybody's ass stuff. Just slashing yeah. and bashing oh, just, and stuff like that. Just yeah. Mertilating the hell out so, of him. Yeah. So Conan is really the Rick Astley. In, in of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Fuck <laughs> it. So, but, but what I want to point out about, you know, kicking everybody's ass, yeah. uh, that, that whole scene, Milius like freely admitted that he cribbed that from mm-hmm. this is me. So, you know, I'm going to have to point out that this was borrowed from this source. Uh-huh. Kurosawa. Oh. The Battle of the Standing Stones oh, is, yeah. is a, a pastiche borrowing theft, whatever you want to call it from the Seven Samurai. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Like, like if you, if you look, like if you go back and actually, like now that I've said that, if you watch the movie again, you're going to get to that scene. And you're going to be like, oh fuck. Yeah, they've cut all the pike. Like, and they've done, like yeah, yeah, like, like the camera angles and the way they mm-hmm. do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, there is a plan involved, but that plan is driven by no, 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 no. I'm personally going to genocide you. Yeah, and I will draw you like, to I'm, me. I'm gonna, <laughs> I will pull you to me, and then yeah. I'm going to fuck you up. Yes. So. See, now my uh, read on him has always been different, yeah. like forever. And one okay. of the reasons that I think this is such a good movie is because of this particular read. He is so psychologically damaged at the trauma of seeing his whole village wiped out that the only well, thing that... He's beheaded literally in front of him. Yeah, while she's holding his hand. Yeah. And like she falls away and he's staring at his hand, you know. <laughs> but yeah. the well, the trauma that was inflicted upon him and then the further abuses that he suffered made him essentially the only language he knew was violence because that was normalized for him and taken advantage of for him and on top of that um the only purpose for being he had was vengeance he was an instrument of vengeance and that was it like i didn't even get to the will to power for him because he was just an instrument of vengeance and to me the whole thing goes up to the idea that vengeance and this is why I think um Milius fell over backward into a good movie. Um mm-hmm. he once he had his vengeance, he literally had no direction in his life to go. Yeah. And then the movie ends with him just sitting there staring at it 
emptily like well what now yeah it was it was a much less verbal version of what happened in nico montoya um but essentially the same thing and that to me was the most fascinating part of it all um and so i totally get where you're going um but to me it hit on a very different level it was a very much more just like look at this poor guy and how ruined he's been by everything because he he doesn't ever really yeah he only smiles when he gets drunk he doesn't really understand intimacy um he knows how to do the sex act um but he by and large uh is is you know a, a novice at all things tender and the only thing he knows i mean even when he tries to sneak into the cult in the first place um his he's like found He's found immediately because he sticks out like a sore thumb. And then he beats the guy down well, yeah. and steals his yeah, robes well, yeah. and tries to sneak yeah. in and just fucks it up. Like he he does not have the tools to be either an intellectual or an emotional uh, being. Well, to be a functional human. Yeah. Really? And, yeah. And um, once and that, I, that I drive think, is eliminated, know, he's got nothing. And that's what I love about it. Nothing. Yeah. And and that is so profoundly mm-hmm. not Howard's Conan, right? Like at all, right? Like at all. That is that is the biggest thing, as a as a as some as somebody who who fell in love with this movie as my introduction to Conan, mm-hmm. and then years later actually read the stories and came away thinking, oh my god, this, the the books are so much better for a whole variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is, and I I mean I still unabashedly love this film. Mm-hmm. Like, like there, there's so much nostalgia and everything tied in, tied into the movie. Oh, sure. I, I think, I think, I think it can exist on, it does exist. I think on both levels. I yes. think there's a lot of power in the narrative you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a crucial step to understand how this version of the character operates. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think what what Milius in his, uh, you know, D plus in philosophy kind of way was trying to say, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you know, you nearly yeah. you nearly made it. You right. Were, you were kind of there. You know, you got you got some of the really big themes, but like you didn't put them together the right way. Right. You, you were uh, an art you student. Know. You were you were a, a film student who took philosophy. Who took, who took philosophy yeah. and thought you were a philosopher because of it, because, right. you know, white guy, you with know, a beard in, 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 yeah, with a beard in the seventies smelling of patchouli. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, paging George Lucas, paging <laughs> George Lucas. Um, please answer the white courtesy phone. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, don't just let it keep ringing cyclically forever because yeah. <laughs> you don't understand fucking Buddhism. Sorry. There's that. Sorry. Backing away, backing away from the mic now. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, but I think, I think both of those narratives are, mm-hmm. are takeaways and I think are important takeaways. Um, I, I think, you know, moving, continuing on with the analysis, what, what we see is that nobody but the hero. Mm-hmm successfully stands up to Thulsa Doom. True. Conan is the only one who can do it because everybody else either has some position in society like, well, you know, I'm the king. I can't go taking right. direct action because, you know, it would it would lessen my position sure. you know, in front of my people for me to give this guy the 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 attention of going one on one. Steal or, my daughter you know, back. He's, yeah. 
yeah, he's he's got he's got my daughter hostage. I can't admit that he's got my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Everybody else is stymied mm-hmm. by social social pressures or whatever. Whereas Conan, being the Ubermensch, right, is able to just say, "No, fuck that." Well, it's also him. they're all civilized. Yes, he's not. See, see, here's the deal mm-hmm. that that if if that angle on it mm-hmm. had been better better played mm-hmm. that would be a really good howardian angle in the story sure but i really the the sense that like like from watching the film the sense i get is less that it's it's you know he's a barbarian he lives outside of society he can do these things because he's outside of society and it's more everybody else is held back by their individual sense of station sense of duty mm-hmm. he is the ubermensch he is beyond all of that sure you get what i mean i, mean, I do yeah I, I think i you know and, and and so that's 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 milius's particular take on on how that works mm-hmm. uh violence because you're talking about him being crippled and violence being the only language he understands are violence we talking is milius ubiqu- or are we talking conan we're talking conan Oh, okay. Well, and Millions. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know. God, he used to again, love to take we, his friends, like, and just, like, pull out the shotgun in his car. He would regularly really? show. Yeah. He had a hard on for guns. Shocking. Um, but Shocking. Uh, he, yeah. Um, but he would uh, regularly uh, pull out the gun and show it off to his friends. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. All right. So. So, anyway, I okay. stepped on you. Go. On top, on top of everything else, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, an auteur with small PP syndrome. Mm-hmm. On top of everything else, so. Um, but the point I want to make, because we're 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 getting to a place now where where we're 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 coming up on on needing to maybe you know take a break and and mm-hmm. chill some stuff. But uh, what I want to point out before we get there is that in the film, mm-hmm. violence is ubiquitous. Yes. And urgent, and bloody, like okay. desperately, desperately sanguinary. Yeah, it it propels the story, and we see the characters showing prowess and power mm-hmm. through its exercise. Yeah, so it the, is the key. Yeah, the the, the key to what makes Subodai Subodai mm-hmm. is he can kill people really well with a bow. He's able to shoot really fast and hit stuff, and right. and thief you know, and archer. He's a killer, thief and archer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what makes Valeria Valeria is she she is a she devil with a sword she's you know red Sonia without without the red hair right and it, she is she is this warrior figure mm-hmm. Conan who in the books is this reaver and this raider and this thief in the movie he's a prototypical D and D barbarian sure. D twelve dice eighteen double odd strength. You know, yeah. hitting everything with, with a bastard sword that kind of isn't. I could I could sword nerd about the Atlantean sword for a very long time, but <laughs> that's beside the point here. You know what what they every opportunity that those characters have to show their their skill to show mm-hmm. that they are competent. Mm-hmm. Their competence is always tied up in violence. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like we, we we take for granted the fact that they're able to throw grappling hooks and climb a tower. Right. Like that's that doesn't even really get. Com- yeah, that was on. almost kind of surprising. Which by itself that is he an could do that. Feat. 
Yeah, like it was surprising that Conan knew how yeah. to do that. Like you understood that Valeria did because that's the context in which you met her. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. And even Valeria, like his respect for her was that she could fight. Like he watched yeah. her fight and he's like, oh shit, this gal can go. You know? Yeah. Like he sees her fight before and, they bone. Yeah. You know? And and that's kind of what, what you know, gets his nostrils flaring. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so every opportunity that they have to show off their competence has to do with direct physical confrontation. It has to do with fighting. Right. It's not about being, you know, a good climber. It's not about being able to tell a story. It's not about being able to be, you know, the face man and win people over. Mm Mm-hmm. Just nobody ever does that. There's no there's no point in this story where anybody successfully acts as the face man for the group. There is no bard in this D D party. That's a good point. Like at all. There's a wizard right. who weirdly kind of plays the role of cleric as well, because, you know, resurrection, raised dead, yeah. whatever. There's there's the thief, Subatai, mm-hmm. winds up being being the guy who plays the role of the thief. Um Larry is also the is, thief though. Well, yeah. She's the heister. Like multi- I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but multi-class fighter thief. Yeah. Again. Whereas he's archer and thief. Then, yeah, and then and then Conan mm-hmm. again is is the melee striker. I'm gonna run in and like hit him over the head with a sharpened piece of metal. Which mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's who I play in a game. Sure. Most of the time, because, you know, I don't have to worry about keeping track. How many spells lots have I got left? What am I doing? <laughs> you know, it's just, it's too complicated. Look, I'm sure. Look, I'm doing this for catharsis. I just want to, I just want to kill monsters and, and like get loot and, yeah. and, you know, be witty while I'm doing it. And that's all I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, nothing against that. But like in the context of actually trying to be a character, mm-hmm. Conan in this movie is kind of that guy at your gaming table who's just like, he has a character sheet, and that's kind of it. Right. You know? He's deactivated until so, combat. Yeah. Yeah, it's like whatever, whatever. All the talkie characters do all your shit. Let me know when the fight starts, right. and I'm there. Right, You know? Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, more power to that guy for showing up. We all get what we get out of a tabletop game, sure. but, like, come on, man. Yeah. So, and on on that note, um, I think now is probably a good time for us to uh, cut away for a moment and then come back to this. I think so. All right. We'll catch you all, all on right. the other side. Yep. All right. Hello, Geek Timers. This is producer George interrupting this podcast to let you know that we have space available. This space could be used to promote your product, book, event, group even wish a special someone happy birthday if you're interested in using this space please contact us on twitter via private message at geek history time oh man what a good ad yeah well you know like always i mean when when do we give a bad one that's a good point you know definitely worth the money though just saying out loud because yeah, because we are motivated. Yes, like we 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 will happily mm-hmm. happily anything you can provide to us that we can have any level of of real meaningful faith in. We will shill the daylights out of it. Yes, because you know uh, at at our core we are both essentially mercenaries. Yeah, I need the money. 
Yeah, yeah. we we have we have literally children to feed. Mm-hmm. So by Christmas not by not so, doing you know, a commercial, you are uh, keeping my kids from eating meat. Just saying, or or tofu. Wow. Yeah, it's really. I mean, yeah. How dare you? How yeah. dare how, you not buy a commercial? Dare you? Yeah. How very dare you, sir <laughs> or madam? I can't afford for you not to, really. Yeah, neither can I. <laughs> at this point, now that you put it that way, and yeah. kind of a depressing thought. Please, for yeah. the love of God, buy some ad time, folks. We're hungry. So, <laughs> so I, I want to be able to celebrate Christmas this year, yeah. please. Um, All so right. anyway, where, where we left off, yes. back to the business at hand. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, so violence, ubiquitous, it's everywhere. It, mm-hmm. And it is a force that propels the story and gives definition and meaning to who our character, who our protagonists are. Sure. And gives them value and then, straight up yeah, gives give, them yes, value. Like yeah, you can actually yeah, rank the Conan crew based on their ability to do violence. In fact, even the wizard. And I wanted to bring this up before. The uh. wizard comes out a threatening. He's like, I'm a wizard, mind you. And, you know, and, and he's I like, will well, summon a demon more powerful than all in hell. Right. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. is like, I I wish I could somehow get the opportunity to play a wizard character uh-huh. in, like, like join a party that doesn't have a, like, like a group of people that have been gaming for like sure. nine months or a year or something sure. and introduce my wizard character with that set of lines. That would be fun because that is just so goddamn perfect. But, and then, and then, and then that wonderful, and yeah. then there's that wonderful moment, that wonderful, immensely macho American moment mm-hmm. where he says that and they lock eyes. Yeah. And then they both bust out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, then he like waves like, him over like, to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's so good. Oh my God. And that is so perfectly Dungeons and Dragons too. It really is. But like, like, like okay. oh, okay. So the wizard though, he comes, he comes out a threatening, which I get back yeah. then. Okay. Bronze Age stuff. But he comes yeah. out a threatening, but he comes out a threatening violence and he can't do corporeal damage. So he's like, I, I can do the magic shit. Um, and be careful, you know, and then he talks about how nobody bothers him because he takes care of the dead. And then what does he do during the battle? He actually stabs a dude with his spear and he has a turtle yeah. moment where he can't actually get up, but like he stabs a dude with his spear and, and Subutai congratulates him. And in some ways they welcome him into the fold now. Beca- and, oh and, yeah, no, you had and if you remember, he you comes, are now part of the tribe. Yeah, like he's just straight up. That's how we do it, you know. And he's like, "I did it with my spear," and they're all laughing. But even before that, the fact that he brought weapons to them, like he's bringing the instruments of violence, and yeah. and you know, and they they even say, you know, are the gods going to help us? He's like, no. Well, then tell them to stay out of the way, and you know, like they have that violence dripping mm-hmm. kind of exchange so you're absolutely right and so the the yeah. the wizard's value is tied directly to his ability to support their violence and then ultimately he has to get in on it for him to be truly like blood in blood out kind of thing well yeah and and i think that ties in again to milius's really like fucked up fragile masculinity mm-hmm. kind of kind of view of all of because all of this yes all of this is viewed through this really Hemingway-esque manfulness is is like the only virtue, masculinity, yes. narrowly defined male role kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
and you know all of it is 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 there i mean this is this is the same toxic masculinity that was involved like remember what he said about his contribution to uh the script because mm-hmm. he directed the film but he but he also had a draft of the script right wrote for dirty Harry, right. he said what I contributed was guns, a lot of guns. And the fact that the cop and the killer were basically the same, except the cop had a badge and he was lonely. Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. One, how nihilistic is that? Mm-hmm. Two, how, how, how deeply are you damaged by these ideas of machismo? Mm-hmm. That like, this is your idea of, oh yeah, no, that's totally what I contributed to that story. Like, right. Is that really, are we calling that a contribution? Like, you know, I mean, in, in my, you know, beta soy boy, you know, 2020 liberal cuck kind of way, I'm kind of looking at that like, I don't know if that's really a contribution. Right. I don't, you know, I mean, clearly that's the influence you had, but are we really going to give it the value of a contribution? Well, I'm looking at and like. Then, what, and then, yeah, like you say, yeah. is this. Go ahead. Oh, I I was going to say, I'm looking at um, what movies were coming out, though, at the time of Dirty Harry. And a lot of them were not, they were either ultra violent or there was no violence at all. So his idea of contributing might have been, no, I I pushed it to the limit that we were pushing against, like filmically. Like the same thing with Taxi Driver. Like it was a tremendously violent movie. Like Dirty Harry, I want to say was what, 74, 75? Um the second Godfather movie was 72 and it was way violent for 72 taxi driver. I think yeah. was right around that same time too. And it was way violent for that time. So adding all the guns and such to dirty Harry, uh, that might've been like, Hey, I was pushing against those, those borders there. Well, yeah. And, and again, that gets back to that whole auteur, you know, mm-hmm. my contribution is I'm pushing, I'm pushing against, you know, the system as it exists and and okay, I can see that, but that's still rooted in this idea mm-hmm. of again talking about, you know, uh, conflict being the defining value thing is well, you know, I was I was resisting right. the the studio system. I was I was pushing against you know I was Sisyphus pushing this boulder up a up a up a hill. Right. You know, kind of kind of thing like you know that's that's the virtue that I have going on, which. You know, I, I evoke Sisyphus, which, you know, immediately to me brings up existentialism, which is giving these guys way too much goddamn credit for having done any reading in college. Right. But, That's true. You know, but but it's but it's but it's that same. It, it, I think it, it much more goes back to that modernist modernism mm-hmm. uh, point from from earlier about, you know, struggle, violence and all this stuff being purifying, being all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um you know, I, yeah, it, the the last the last point uh, here that I, that I want to get to, well, not really. The last point in this particular line of logic is that the world that all of these characters inhabit mm-hmm. is haunted by these dark sorcerous forces, but the hero and his companions overcome all of them through physical, violent, mm-hmm. violent physical prowess. Yeah. Like the world, the world is a scary place where weird hoodoo shit happens. And our villain is like part man, part snake, sorcerer, wizard. Mm -hmm. 
and like you can randomly wind up if you're wandering alone you can randomly wind up being semi kidnapped semi seduced by a weird witch demon woman right who you have to you know to save your own life you got to pitch her into her own fireplace you know like like the or world or you could be chased spook- by wolves yeah well yeah you know yeah but I'm, but I'm not. I'm, I'm thinking less about the wolves, and I'm thinking more about the oh, weird, yeah, invisible. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, spooky, spooky, spooky kind of aspect sure. of the world that that always, consistently throughout the film mm-hmm. and in the sequel, but but especially in this first film, mm-hmm. winds up being overcome through steel and violent prow- prowess. Now, I love that point. Um, I have two questions for you about that. One, okay, are you going to touch on the riddle of steel? Oh yeah. Okay. Two, are you going to touch on the the differences in what is best in life? No. Oh. Let's talk about okay. that though. So he's sitting there with, I assume, Mongolians or Huns. Well, that's that's who it's. Yeah, it's it's Mongols. Okay. I mean, all all of the all of the trappings as as the as yeah. the more recently longer serving world history guy. It's right. the, all the coding, all the coding is Chinggis Khan. Yeah. Like I'm amazed. I'm amazed that we don't see a clip of, you know, Subutai in, in the back of the crowd. Like, right. You know, right. Oh, Hey, we met once many years ago. You don't remember, you know, like <laughs> it's clearly Mongols. Right. Anyway, continue. So he says, uh, you know, he, a guy holds up a, a scroll and says, "Oh, Daoye, we've won again!" And everybody cheers. This is good. Yeah, but, yeah, well, uh, but what yeah. is best in life? And Conan is literally sitting in the middle, and the redheaded slaver, who is his master, um, is sitting off to his right now. So Conan is now everybody's pet champion. Um, yeah. and he says, "What is best in life?" And another dude says, "The open step, free force." Or I might be saying that wrong. A swift horse. Uh, a swift uh, horse. Uh, the open step. Right. A swift horse. Falcons at your wrist. And the wind. And the wind in, in your, your hair. hair. Right. So clearly. Which are. Mongol. <laughs> like that's all Mongol. Oh, oh yeah. Like like nomad, horse nomad, like seven yeah. days a week, twice on. And, and, and very much, and very much mm-hmm. hedonist. Yes. Here, here, here is this wonderful, this wonderful set of sensations. Right. Now and all of it, and, okay. Go ahead. I was gonna say all of what you just mentioned is a person who is present in the world, who exists post battle, who lives during okay. downtime. Conan okay. and the guy says wrong, and then he picks on Conan. Conan, like, because you and I both have that student that we know if we call on them, they're gonna give us the right answer, so we feel like we're doing yeah. a good job. So he calls on Conan because. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking no, about. No, not at all. I don't all. slander, I, sir. I deliberately slander. don't let that kid answer sometimes. Um, yeah, know, yeah. Conan, yeah. what is best yeah. in life? And Conan says, crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentations of their women. And everybody cheers, and says, that is good. That is good. And I think the very next scene, he is being chopped free. But what's yes. interesting to me is that everything that he just mentioned only exists once initiative has been rolled everything he mentions crush your enemy see them driven before you and hear the lamentations um, of their women I love, uh, it's all battle. i love the way you phrased that oh yeah yeah <laughs> but well, and, and so he's and, not and, actualized he is activated during battle and that's all he can think of and i would say the other guy um is actually living in the world whereas conan is merely an instrument of the of whoever's in charge of him 
which is why the next scene, him getting his freedom, is actually more of a tragic scene for him because now he has no purpose again and he has to go out and find it. Um, and so then he, you know, activates Revenge Program 1. But uh, he he is absolutely <laughs> that character that, that sits there at the table and does nothing until, oh, I throw a chair and now we start fighting. Like, everything that he values, and yeah. this is what I want to get back to, everything that he values is the... We talked about this, I think... I think we talked about this um, when I talked about the Futurists. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's all the stuff that the Futurists loved. Uh, and, and he's he's talking about the, you know, the fisticuff, the violence, the beauty of the violence and all that. And that's what is best in life is essentially hurting other people, like imposing your will to power. And yeah. I just, I think that that's a really interesting thing that that's treated as, because the other thing is sp- spurned almost immediately, whereas Conan's yeah. ideals, they're not ideals, um, but his ideals well, no, it's, no, it's not, it's not are treated I mean, as by, by our, our, again, soy boy beta kind of, kind of worldview, right. not ideals at all. Um, but, but the, the couple of things mm-hmm. in, in response to what you're saying, mm-hmm. num- number one, uh, that quote about, uh, to crush your enemies, see them driven before you and hear mm-hmm. the limitations of the women. It is my understanding mm-hmm. and, and maybe we can look this up and, and one of us can say whether or not it's actually correct. Mm-hmm. It is my understanding that is actually attributed to Chinggis Khan. God damn, what a guy. <laughs> well, you know, he was he was responsible for a period of global cooling because he killed so many people that they weren't, you know, putting smoke in the atmosphere right. with their cooking fires anymore. So, you know, yeah, there's that. Like that's that's something. Let's let's let's, let's talk about let's talk about the Anthropocene and and you know yeah. how that works. Uh, I I think it's interesting what you said a second ago mm-hmm. about. When, when, you know, he's, he's activated real quick. He did lift it. Milius lifted it from a book by Harold Lamb called Genghis Khan, the emperor of all men. So he lifted it straight, straight. In fact, both, both of those quotes, um, are, are, it's directly from that. Uh, it's directly from that. So, yeah. Okay. So anyway. Well, you know, creativity is knowing how to hide your sources. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, but, but what, what you said about, Mm -hmm. um, him, him being the element, you know, the, the, the will to power Mm -hmm. that, 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 that statement is all about the will to power, imposing your will on someone else. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that quote is totally will to power, imposing your will on someone else. But as you point out, the moment he's not the one, the moment he's not following somebody else's orders, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a will to power anymore. Right. Yeah, he's he he's... is he is he is a broken tool mm-hmm. until he, as you say, activates revenge program number one, <laughs> and and you know Thulsa Doom better you know get hiding. Quick. Sure. Yeah. So my 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 assertion here mm-hmm. with with all of this is that thematically all of this is the same narrative mm-hmm. that Reagan tapped into to get elected. I was about to say it's also Reagan post-election too because um, Carter, you know, was like, "Hey, let's enjoy this environment that we have. Like, let's yeah. you know, here's the EPA." Well, I mean, that was Nixon, yeah, but. 
but, let's use solar Carter panels you know. yeah and yeah. let's let's do all yeah. this stuff and let's let's make peace between two peoples who have been warring for 30 years and reagan was like let's redo vietnam because we're embarrassed so sorry grenada you know like yeah it's you know crush oh, your yeah, enemies no, totally. see them driven before you yeah. and to hear before the lamentations, you and hear of, the lamentations of the women so but w- what we're looking at here is individualism mm-hmm. strife and struggle mm-hmm. direct confrontation of an enemy mm-hmm. economic forces because remember we're we're talking about the 70s sucking yes and so we're looking at you know all the all the economic shit that was going on yes economic forces are murky and invisible but we can defeat them through work and freer markets wow and okay, you freer give, market you give is, the best weapon the power of the individual give the best weapon to the strongest guy so there's your supply side economics precisely yeah collectivism collectivism whether it's soviet socialism or union action is for the weak and the corrupt right okay the ussr Mm -hmm. was portrayed as a dictatorial regime of blind sheep right reagan stood against them as the virile manful hero who'd forced them to them to submit often seen as a cowboy the the american Uh ideal of individualism with violence by the way being like his way of activating himself yeah yeah. So now it's worth noting here that, that before the election, opinion polls showed that while people liked Reagan better than Carter, mm-hmm. uh, they still weren't all totally thrilled with him. Hmm. He, he was not before the election. He was not massively. Oh my God. Yeah. Reagan like popular. There were plenty of people mm-hmm. who were like, well, you know, we we we're not we're not totally thrilled with him because he seems like kind of an empty-headed howdy doody you know Hollywood guy right um but by the same <laughs> token but but you know they dislike <laughs> Carter more wow hmm yeah hmm. kind of odd Carter who yeah. is really really smart and very well qualified huh mm-hmm. and and like frighteningly competent yeah, yeah. so hmm. um. And, and so, so the film mm-hmm. portrays all, all the heroes are distinctly anti mm-hmm. heroes. Right. And the king who hires them is just as grasping and cynical as everybody else is. Right. There are no, there are no good guys in Conan the Barbarian. And as much as Reagan wanted to paint himself as the good guy, a great many people knew from the, even people who voted for him, a great many of them knew he was not. Oh, this is Roland get really uncomfortable. Of the, of, 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 the, of the 12 peers. Yeah, it already is. Yeah. Are you kidding? Oh. So, Ooh. Um, yeah. Now, I, I in my notes here, this is where I bring up that James Earl Jones' portrayal of Doom uh-huh. is totally underrated. Oh, extremely. Like, desperately, desperately underrated. He chews scenery with clear relish. Like... It's like he smeared mustard on it and is just <laughs> gnawing on it. Like yes. it's it's as as somebody who did theater in high school and, and a very little bit in, in college and, mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of a drama nerd, watching him do that is like it is clear he's having too much damn fun. Mm-hmm. And the way and, and and what's what's remarkable is the way he plays up Doom as a cult leader with his voice, you know, thunderous and terrifying one moment and gentle and yes. manipulative the next. Yes. And it's almost absolutely. sad. Like at one point he's very sad. Like, Oh, 
Oh yeah, such a waste. Like, oh, and and just when he yeah, crucifies well, I'm about, him, I'm about even. To get to that. Oh, okay, yeah. go go go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about to get to that. But you know, honestly, I, I think his vocal work in in this movie, just mm-hmm. just the way he uses his voice in oh, that yeah. role, is far better than his work as Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And 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 Vader is the role that everybody remembers. Like you know, you right. say James Earl Jones, that's the one. Every, like like Thulsa Doom shows up on his resume like at a distant fourth. Yeah, behind Vader roots i don't even know what what is third field of dreams like you know yeah probably yeah uh you know and 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 the thing is and this is where i'm going to bring in the riddle of steel Mm -hmm. because because his vocal work ties into Mm -hmm. that crom is the only god that conan venerates like at all and the riddle of steel is crom's greatest secret turns out we find out spoiler alert, mm-hmm. not really spoiler. The movie's over 30 years old. Um, <laughs> but turn, turns out the riddle of steel was also doom's goal in his early life when he murdered Conan's people. Yep. Uh, I hope you're going to quote it. Oh yeah. I've got okay. it right here. In front yeah, of yeah. Me. What, what is, what does that turn out to be? And, and here's the quote and I'm, I'm, there's no way, there's absolutely no way I'm going to do James Earl Jones justice, but here, here I go try. Do it as a 1930s announcer. Instead, like the guy who did the Hindenburg. No, I, no? I can't. I can't okay. bring it. That's tempting, but I can't bring <laughs> myself to do it. Yes, you know what it is, don't you, boy? Shall I tell you? It's the least I can do. Steel isn't strong, boy. Flesh is stronger. Look around you. There, on the rocks, a beautiful girl. Come to me, my child. And the the girl, it should be for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, because everybody who has is mm-hmm. already, you know, following the 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 mental painting. Yes. Uh, a a willowy looking young actress uh, leaps off of a balcony, probably two stories. Oh yeah. Shatters shatters the wooden the wooden floor that they're all standing on, yep. and is clearly killed instantly on impact. So he coaxes her to suicide, mm-hmm. then turns to then turns to Conan, uh, smacks. One, the back of one hand in the palm of yes. the other and says, that is strength, boy. That is power. What is steel compared to the hand that wields it? Look at the strength in your body, the desire in your heart. I gave you this. Mm-hmm. Such a waste. Contemplate this on the tree of woe. Crucify him. Mm-hmm. So, so right there, mm-hmm. like, like, you, you might as well be reading from the Cliff's notes of Nietzsche because that is the Nietzsche and will of the individual again. Sure. Strength and vitality as virtues in and of themselves. Yeah. The, yeah. The individuals, the, the strength of the individual's hand, the strength of the individual's will to do whatever it is they're going to do way more than the steel It's far more powerful than, than the metal itself. So Milius's film was an essay on strength and the Ubermensch viewed through the frame mm-hmm. of Howard's character of Conan, the outsider who faced corrupting civilized softness with barbarian honesty and virility. Mm-hmm. So, I, so he, he wound up go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to point out something here as well, because there's another layer to that, of course, because Milius keeps falling over backward into it. Um, <laughs> It, it, I really don't want to give him that much credit because, like, every interview with him, I'm just like, no, dude, no, you're, how did you do you're, such a you're, beautiful you're, thing? You're a toad. Yeah. 
how how the hell did you do this? You're kind of but you're yeah. Here's okay, what Conan Conan says. You know, you you killed my mother. You killed my my father. You killed my people. You took my father's sword. He says, ah, oh, must have been when I was younger. You know, and there was a time, boy, yeah. when all I cared about was uh, weapons of steel and on and on. And they said that earlier too. Um, but what I love is that his dad was the one who was a sword maker. His dad was yeah. forging the sword. His family was forging the sword. Conan was going to grow up being a sword forger. And he was taken radically off that path because they slaughtered his whole family, uh, mm-hmm. killing his father in front of him, by the way, with dogs. Uh, and then, yeah. um, and a well-placed axe in the back. Uh, and then killing his mother. Um, and lo and behold, the, the riddle of steel... Um, which his dad had told him, like, no one on this earth can you trust, speaking of your individualism. Um, by the way, mm-hmm. his dad was the but same steel. guy. Yes, this you can trust. His dad was the same guy who played the Russian uh, fox in Red Dawn, the guy who was hunting the wolverines. Same guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. And Also, he yep. was actually considered for the role of Conan. Yes, and he actually does speak Russian. Like there were a few other movies that he's oh, wow. done recently, yeah, yeah. Um, but cool. uh, back to, back to the thing. So this you can trust, and he points to his sword. So to him, the riddle of steel is: you can always trust steel. Look at this thing that I've made. Look to your tools. Look to your capabilities of making something that is a force multiplier. And he dies, and Thulsa Doom comes in and says, "Oh no, it's all about." What good is steel compared to the flesh that wields it? Because he's in some ways right. Steel will just sit there until you have a hand that's trained to use it and use it the right way. And then it's about your will, like you said. Um, So Thulsa Doom wrecks Conan's world a second time because he knows the riddle of steel. He tells Conan the answer that is clearly, by that universe's rules, more valid than his father's answer was. By virtue of the fact that he had killed his father with violence. Wow. And so it's a total replacement of the old paradigm that Conan had been raised upon, but then had fairly well forgotten anyway. For those of you that can't wow. see, Ed's eyes just crossed. So Yeah. That wow. That you're right. Yeah. He clearly Milius fell backward into that. Yes. Because, because, like you said, yeah. Look, looking at what he wrote and what he had to say about his own work, there's yeah. no way. No, if you listen to the yeah, director's cut, there's, there's no way. It's yeah. He's he's like, <laughs> it's the worst. His his own profundity went completely over his own head. Oh my god! So like, and then he says, "Such a waste." Like, I gave you this. In other words, oh, yeah. I gave you the wheel to struggle against. I gave you everything that you could possibly need to activate your sheer force of will. And you never did. You were just an instrument. You were literally just a sword. And then he says, contemplate yeah. this on the tree of woe. Yeah, not, You're even, gonna not die. even a sword, a blunt object. Yeah. You're going to die knowing that you were taught wrong, knowing that I was right, and knowing that you failed. Well, haha, motherfucker, I got a wizard. Yeah, <laughs> as it turns out. Well, and so and and, and, I wanted... and and then and then as it and then as it turns out, you yeah. gave me all of this will, and all of this will is now directed at killing you, exactly. stone fucking dead. Now, yeah, I, I want to point out something with Reagan, by the way. 
um, okay. good old Ronzo, um, when he didn't get uh, killed, <laughs> when he didn't get killed, um, his popularity shot through the roof. He essentially was uh, resurrected because he damn near died. Um, prior yeah. to that, he was very unpopular for what he had done. Although he had come in on a virtual landslide. He won over 50% of the vote and Carter only won he 41. Won, well, the popular vote, he won 51%. Mm-hmm. He won it in an electoral landslide. Yes. So, you know, an electoral victory that was much, much bigger than his actual victory based on the popular vote. <laughs> okay, Are but... Are you feeling but, comfortable yet? Here's I mean, the thing, though. Reagan actually did win the popular. Case, well, yeah, it, yeah. Yes, yes. He was the last... He did actually yeah. win the popular vote. But. Well, and... and um, he won by almost nine percentage points because there was an independent who pulled some votes. Um, yeah. But he he won by a significant margin, popular wise too. Yeah. And, he did. And, and if it and if it had been for that independent who was another Republican running against him, mm-hmm. it should be noted. Yeah. His margin would have been even bigger. It's exactly. True. Yes. So he uh, he won. So yeah. He was very popular, but by the time he got shot, people were really sour on him because he well, was because fucking over workers. A bunch of shit that pissed everybody off yeah um Um, but then he he rejuvenates out by the ocean yeah somebody draws all over him which yeah and which what 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 didn't kill him did in fact make him politically stronger Mm -hmm. and then he invaded Uh, grenada yeah well you know so you keep getting back to that so (laughs) um in 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 the same way that reagan was a charismatic vital masculine figure Mm -hmm. Uh, promising victory against unseeable chaotic forces mm-hmm. through individual freedom. Mm-hmm. Right? We're gonna we're gonna cut all the regulation. Government isn't the solution to the problem. Government is the problem. We're gonna cut all the regulation. We're gonna give you right you sir, the ideal Ayn Rindian capitalist individual. We're gonna give you the freedom to solve all these problems. Right. <clears throat> in in the same way that he promised victory against a collectivist authoritarian enemy mm-hmm. soviet yeah cold warrior yeah you know and in the 80s through the 1990s that machismo mm-hmm. defined action heroes in general it oh, was yeah. a an inescapable part of the genre oh yeah because because it was an unescapable part of the national psyche mm-hmm. and it's one of the underpinnings of the rightward shift of the culture during that time period and that's yeah. In in terms in terms of I have now presented my thesis. This <laughs> this is the point at which I stand with arms outstretched and mm-hmm. head cocked, like what, what <laughs> motherfucker, what? Because that's I mean as far as the argument goes, that's my conclusion. But yeah. um, you know I, I still have more to say. Uh, you know, talking about aftermath and effect of mm-hmm. all of this. First thing is I, I've already said it once in this episode probably. Previously, I I loved this movie so goddamn much. I still do. When I was when I was at middle school and high school, and and I still do too. Um, this movie and the Blues Brothers <laughs> were two were the two films that I watched more than any others through junior high and into high school. Uh, in high school, I discovered Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and it was all over but to to an adolescent boy mm-hmm. all the subtext and philosophy was imperceptible sure but the image but the image of conan standing powerful and defiant against the forces of doom his prayer to Quran before facing them and if you will not answer my prayer 
than to hell with you. Right. Was, I mean, it was fucking intoxicating. It was yeah. like, oh my God, set all testosterone in my bloodstream on fucking fire. <laughs> like, holy shit. And that music. You know. Oh my God, that music. Oh God, yeah, I haven't even gotten to, gotten to talking about the score. The yeah. score is muscular. Oh yeah. Like, like I mean, all all that heavy, deep timpani percussion. Mm-hmm. And Those the, horns and coming the, in. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. oh Lord, it is, it is the, cl- it, it is in terms of symphonic soundtracks, mm-hmm. it is the closest thing I think anybody has come to music to make you want to run through a fucking brick wall. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that's, that's, that's part of the, like when I, when I, on, on the sporadic occasions on which I, I get, you know, wild hair and I decide, no, no, man, I'm going to go to the gym. <laughs> the the Conan theme is part of my workout playlist because yes. that that the the I mean like you say the the percussion at the very beginning of that it's like there's no way yeah. like like that's that, your heart that racing. makes the treadmill yeah yeah that that actually has a perceptible effect on your heart rate mm-hmm. and that is that is one of a very few things that can make a treadmill suck marginally less mm-hmm. right there yeah um, oh absolutely. And so it, it, it's, it's, I, I thought when I started the research for this, this, this is something I learned. I thought that in the same way that Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. was a, a, oh man, you know, sci-fi is really popular. We're going to, we're going to make some money off of this, you know, uh, response to star Wars. Mm-hmm. I thought that a whole, a whole host of other movies that came around around the t- same time, I thought they were, oh, Hey, Conan, was a hit. Mm-hmm. We got to do this. We got to do the same thing. Turns out I was wrong. There's a whole host of schlocky sword and sorcery movies that came out at the same time. Yes. Most, and they were made at the same time. Yes. Most notable, the Beastmaster. Oh, I love that one. And Ator the Fighting Eagle. Okay, never saw that. Which, but the Beastmaster which, was the oh, bomb, dude. Okay, so my dad and I. <laughs> My my parents and I, because uh-huh. my mom got dragged along with us, she has the patience patience of Job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we went and saw Ator the Fighting Eagle in the theater. Oh wow! Okay, and um, all all of these films feature mm-hmm. muscular shirtless protagonists. Oh yeah, fighting fighting against sorcerous enemies. Mm-hmm. But none of them had the same success Conan did because none Beastmaster, of them had, yeah. Beastmaster had success, but it had success after it got picked up and run eternally over and over on HBO. Yes, that's true. Now, okay. now here's why, though. None of them had Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. That man that's was true. thick and beefy. He was well, everything that that people wanted to be. Like Mark Singer was a very muscular fellow, but he was lithe. He was built for agility. He actually, he actually looked like Conan should look. Right, but except he, his hair, his hair and his eyes are the wrong color. Right, but his build was the way Conan. But should he look. was yeah. built for actual no. fighting. Conan was built for fainting. Yeah. <laughs> for... <laughs> Conan was built for posing on a stage. Yes, um, Conan is beefcake, or Schwarzenegger. Yeah. was beefcake. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's part of it, mm-hmm. but I, I also have to say. There is a level on which Arnie mm-hmm. 
has a level of remarkable charisma, even yes. though he goes through that, even though his acting in this movie is crap. Like, I disagree like, entirely. Okay, well, I, I di- different interpretation of yeah. the character based on the interpretation of, of him being, okay. you know, a child soldier, trauma victim. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Because they didn't let him talk. But he, <laughs> they didn't, yeah, they didn't let him talk because of his, because of his accent. Yeah. Um, He's a tremendous but, comedic but, actor, by the way. His timing is excellent. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, later stuff he did. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. You can tell he's got he's got a crackerjack sense mm-hmm. of humor. And yeah. Um, but he 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 exudes charisma. Yes, he does. And and Singer is a is a competent actor. Mm-hmm. He's he knows what he's doing. He hits all of his marks. He does it real well, but he just does not have it's true. the same level of animal magnetism <laughs> that Arnie has. Yeah. Beastmaster. Yeah, you know. Uh that was unintentional. It's a freebie. Um so and the guy and the guy that played Ator was again a competent enough actor, hit mm-hmm. all of his marks, did everything real well, but he just he's kind of a by compared to Arnold he's a wet noodle like mm-hmm. they just don't have the same presence yeah now the thing is um so so all of these guys are these shirtless barbarian heroes mm-hmm. all of these guys are these muscular you know hypermasculine kind of kind of you know fantasy images and uh so that again ties into that whole We've been through the seventies. Our our morale is shot. We need to we need to look up to these these figures of these hyper virile you know warrior champions. Sure. Now while I'm talking about this, uh, friend of the show Bishop mm-hmm. uh, and and our sponsor mm-hmm. uh, is is going undoubtedly going to harp on me if I don't mention talking about all these schlocky other movies. If I don't mention Hawk the Slayer, he's going to give me a hard time. But. Um, it doesn't actually fit the pattern. Okay. Um, and, and he and he and I are going to get into an argument on this, but, but I need to make my case now because he's not here to defend it. Um, it, it predates Conan by two years. Hawk the Slayer actually comes out in 80. Um, it starred Jack Palance. Oh, wow. In a role that was an obvious Darth Vader impersonation. Oh, Wow. And the whole time he's playing the part, you can hear the sound of his paycheck clearing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, like it is so clear money, dear boy. Like that's, right, you know, right. What was your, what was your motivation in that scene? I got to put my kid through college. Like, yeah. you know, I have a mortgage. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. And so my argument here is that Hawk the Slayer is uh, less a sword and sorcerer movie than it is a thematic ripoff of Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, in, in fantasy drag um, than, than it really is part of the barbarian movie sword and sorcery subgenre. Mm-hmm. Bishop, fight me. Or, or pay money got, to buy a commercial to say why or, that's wrong. Or, or to, yes, there you go. I you prefer can pitch that. that. There you go. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I'd like that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah. 84. Mm-hmm. Conan Destroyer comes out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I watched the hell out of that one too. But but Destroyer didn't have the same power Barbarian did. No. Um, it, Subutai, who's w- one of the most entertaining characters in the first movie, got dropped gone. like a hot rock. Yes. Malik uh, comes gone. in. And, and, yeah, and they introduced Malik. Uh, I liked him. It, it, he was a backstabber. He was, 
He's well, why yeah, every D and D character I had had daggers. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have the same level of again charisma that Subatide. I disagree. He didn't have the same level of gravitas. Uh, he was comedic okay, relief okay. in a movie that that yeah. previously had no comedic relief. Had no comedy relief. Yeah. Okay, good point. Yeah. Even though the main character punches a fucking camel. Yes. And, well, and somehow it manages to, and it still manages to not be funny because we're so busy drowning in, in Nietzschean bullshit that like, well, they're also on the humor drugs. Gets on the they're on drugs. And <laughs> then suddenly a cult comes out. It's like, what the fuck, man? Stinky and Subutai's like, you're, you're, you're too yeah. big to be a thief. And like, you know, let's get him out yeah. of there. Um, but that yeah. camel comes back in the second movie too and spits all over him. Oh, that's true. <laughs> he even tries oh, to shit, apologize. Um, and that's what's weird funny. is Malik repres- uh, reminds him. He says, hey, doesn't that camel look familiar? And he always talks like that. He's like, I think it does. He's oh, like, yeah. I'm sorry about that. And it spits on him and he just smashes it on the head. And you're like, yeah. what the? F- okay. What the fuck? Dude? Yeah. So, so, so again, Sibidai gets dropped. Yep. Um, and the story dead. wound up. Being, yeah. And, and, and the story wound up being more of a D&D module. Yes. Than a Howard adventure. Uh, I mean, and, and the whole party is all D&D archetypes. Oh, my God. You're right. I mean, which which is part of the reason my friends and I were like, oh, man, this is fucking awesome. Because, right. like, we could look at that and go, man, I got to roll up a thief like Malik. Dude, I got to right. I got to do I got to do a, a female fighter like Grace Jones. Whatever the fuck she was doing. She in that was movie. Uh, yeah, actually yeah. It could be. Yeah. Except we were all playing first edition and monks. Okay. Were, she was like, the acrobat the in the D&D cartoon. Oh, black chick go. with there the staff. You go. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, Bombata mm-hmm. of course is the, is the, you know, bad guy traveling with the party mm-hmm. dragon, you know, whole thing. I mean, you know, it, it's just, oh, yeah. it's, it's all there. like so that movie was far more entertaining. It was not as yeah. good. Yeah, it yeah. was it was not it was not a good movie. It was not as organic uh, either. It was like, okay, you get to the spot and you're gonna fight these guys where the guy goes ching oh, well, ching was, with his again, gauntlets. It was, yeah, it was you know. it was all it was a D and D it was a D and D Yeah. It, it was a TSR it was a TSR published module. Yeah. In movie form. Oh what is what it and That's so right. it and just they had didn't to, have didn't have the same charm. Remember they had to rescue Malik from the uh the the cannibals? Oh yeah. The guys are all painted. You yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's it's again totally. And uh, no, they and, have to, no, they had to rescue um, Akiro, not Malik. Malik has yeah, a line like, as though he fucking knows Akiro too. That's what got me. Like Malik was way too familiar yeah. with everyone. Like, like what all? What all the hell happened between the first movie and the second movie? Yeah. Like, I want, I want, I want an interstitial film. So I saw that th- that, that shows film. me. Yeah, I saw that film with my dad in the theater, and at that time okay. we had met each other. Like, I think by that time. I, when, when did it come out? 84? 84. So okay. was, was this before or after the poster and you vomiting all over the couch? This is bef- this is after because this is the same year that my little brother was born. All right. So okay. dad is fully into the family. Um, okay. And he took me to see this movie. And I mean, I was okay. I was six uh, when he took me to see it. Okay. And, uh, and we'd already seen Barbarian and I had vomited not on the poster, yeah. but all over the pillow. And, uh, yeah. and so we went to see it and I asked him where Subutai was. And his response was, when you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. Like he told me that. 
your dad was deep, dude. Yeah. yeah. He's a smart fellow. Shit. But yeah, he told yeah, me, like, no that was his That's explanation kind of, of like, wow. sometimes when you hang out with a hero, it ain't going to go well for you. And I'm like, oh, shit. It's, it is dangerous that, being around the hero. That's profound. Yeah. Like, damn. Yeah. I so, tell my students that all the time in Greek mythology. I'm like, if you're hanging out, if you have a chance to hang out with a demigod, run the other way. Because you're yeah, just going to be a plot away. device. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. you're going to get fridged. Yeah. So, um, so anyway. Yes. So, I mean, so, so it was, it was a more entertaining movie. It had Olivia Dabo, uh, playing the princess, which was certainly appealing to 12 year old me. She got a Razzie. It's still for appealing. It, I think. Huh? I think she got a Razzie for it. A Razzie? Yeah, she probably did. Yeah. I'm not going to say it wasn't deserved. Nope. But it was fun to see um, her in the Wonder Years a few years later. I was like, oh, it's you. Oh, yeah. And then oh, in Star hey. Trek, where she's the, uh, the, the baby Q. I was like, ah, cool. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, sorry. Um, and, and, and like, like I said, Will Chamberlain played a pretty good heavy. He did. Uh, but, but Milius didn't have anything to do with the second movie. He had, he had fucked off to do other stuff. Will Chamberlain is he also gone. not the tallest guy in that movie. The wizard? No. The evil, evil no. guy with the No, the face. guy who Who's played the Dagoth, the, the horn creature. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was, that yeah, was Andre okay. the Giant. That makes sense. Bullshit. Dead that serious. Was how that connection happened? That's Andre the fucking. Giant. Okay, yeah. so you've you've heard you've okay you you've heard the stories about uh, Will Chamberlain because Will Chamberlain wrote about that movie. Yeah. In his memoir, I did not read that. Yeah. Oh, you haven't heard this? No. Okay. Tell me. So brief, briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Arnie and Andre were friends right. from somewhere back previously, mm-hmm. and so on on the movie. They went to Wilt and they were like, "Hey, come come with us. We're gonna we're gonna go out drinking. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go we're we're going out to a bar." And of course, Wilt Chamberlain was like, you know, seven feet tall, however, however tall he was, mm-hmm. big dude, right? Yeah. And he's like, "All right, yeah, fine. I can, you know, Arnold. Arnold is muscular, but he's, you know, shorter than I am." Yeah. Oh yeah. So those, those since this is an audio medium, you you guys have to have don't don't have the advantage of of seeing it. But Damien has found a, a photo from presumably from the set or set adjacent of mm-hmm. uh, Arnold and Wilt and Andre uh, hanging out. And what strikes me with those photos is that Wilt is almost as tall as Andre. Yes. Um, and Arnold is looks looks like Wolverine standing amongst the rest of the X-Men <laughs> yeah, because he he's only because he's only six one or how right. tall he is. He's only taller than me by an seven. inch or two. Yeah, and and the other and the other two guys are you know seven foot above. Tall. Yeah, yeah, and and so anyway, Wilt Wilt was like, oh yeah, all right, I'll go drinking with these guys, whatever, a couple of whatever, you know, uh, it, thinking he was gonna be able to like no, no take one both no and, one drinks uh, Andre under the table. No, yeah. and 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 he he wound up he he had an oh shit moment about an hour into the evening where where he realized these two are fucking psychos like yeah. oh my god they're madmen mm-hmm. and um uh you know andre was doing his party trick where he'd you know ask a couple of ladies to you know sit on his forearms and he'd lift them right with just his biceps yes you know yeah and 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 drinking and drinking and drinking and Arnold is just drinking and they're like taking down gallons of, of beer and whatever else they're drinking. Oh yeah. And um 
And the following morning he showed up on set thinking like wishing for death. Yes. Like, like, like the hangover was excruciating. And, and he thought that the two of them were going to give him no end of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like he thought he was going to get such a hard time. Cause they were like, Oh, you lightweight, you're a little basketball player. You don't <laughs> know what you, you can. But, but in point of practical fact, it was, Oh yeah, you did really well. Like, yeah, no, you can come out with us whenever, you know? Yeah. Come <laughs> on, man. You know, they, they were like, Oh yeah, no, you know, most, most normals can't, can't hang. Right. Like you, you know, yeah. I mean, you had to quit early, but like, you're not us. You made like, it you an know. hour, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you made it. You made it an hour and a half or whatever it was, you know. And so, yeah. But um, in in another episode, this is this is where I'm where I'm going to close it out. But Uh in in another episode, I can go into comparing this movie, 82's Conan, Mm -hmm. to the 2011 Conan movie. Oh yes. Which which is totally worth doing, Mm -hmm. but that's that's outside my thesis for 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 this series. Um, I'll just note that I absolutely loved the 2011 movie. I enjoyed it. For a whole host of reasons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because to to me, it felt more like a Howard story and less like a right-wing philosophy tract. Mm, I can see that. You know, and and now (laughs) that I said that, I have an excuse to watch both movies again for research. (laughs) Good time for it. Yeah, yeah, you know, so now now that we've gotten through all of this... Sure. uh, what what is your takeaway? What do you what, what what does this leave you thinking about? What 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 is the lesson you've pulled out of all this? I think the the thing that I said that made you go cockeyed about the riddle of steel <laughs> um, is yeah. is a gem, and I think I'm going to rest on that for a bit. But also, um, just the the you you looked at it, and it's just it's a subtle shift. And it's one that most won't won't think to do until they listen to this episode, I think. And well done for it. Um, but it's a subtle shift, and, and it's the shift of going from, um, how to put, uh, the idea of civilization versus barbarism mm-hmm. into, and shifting to individualism versus collectivism. Okay. Yeah. And I, yeah. because I see aspects of both of those things in each other, but I think the way that you threaded that needle was really well oh, yeah. done. Um, and, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think it's also, I mean, if you really look at Conan the Barbarian and, and you even just compare it to the destroyer, which is it's its own show. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. I think the, the, addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Because <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, anyone okay. who wears it, pants, it, they're going to get killed. But Conan, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. I see that. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's worth, worth noting here. One more difference between, between the movies mm. and, and the stories mm-hmm. is, um, there are any number of places in the stories where a, a very great point is made by Howard mm-hmm. of Conan picking up a corselet of chainmail mm. or picking up, you know, putting on a breastplate, finding, sure. you know, a leather, a leather breastplate, finding greaves, finding a helmet, right? Whatever, and putting it the fuck on. In fairness, in the Battle of the Mounds, because he was armed to the teeth and armored to the teeth. He wore pants True. with like yes. weird flappy things that came down below, kind of like what Ray wore. 
Um, and yeah. he had armor on, and he even had a helmet on. Like he yeah. did all that no, shit. Now the helmet was part of oh, yeah. his subterfuge, yeah. but you're you're right. Like most of the time, he goes into battle and doesn't get cut. And it's like, wow, way to go. Um, but in that Battle of the Mounds, which is its own track yeah. on the 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 CD um, yeah. that I also own, uh, yeah. it it's uh, he is very well armed. But you're right. Other than that, he's so, he's virtually naked. He's a pro wrestler. Well, yeah, and and then and then in, and then in barbarian, not barbarian, in destroyer. Mm-hmm. He goes through the whole movie without a shirt on. Yeah. Now, I the the only other thing I want to go well, and that's his money yeah. maker. Let's be real. The only other thing I want to you know, make I, sure I that I I touch upon that's a parallel here is this. Um, Conan comes out in '82. His other movies '84, yeah. and it really sets kind of a tone and a genre. Hulk Hogan becomes the world champion in 84. In 85, 86, he is uh, fighting against individual guys. Yeah. But in 86, he starts fighting against the Heenan family, a collection of heels under one charismatic leader who they all do what he says, even though he's, he's very smart and they're all very strong. And they all take their turns losing to him, but they'll often gang up on Hulk Hogan, who is only wearing... Uh, trunks, all the rest of them are wearing, with the exception of one of them, are wearing some sort of leggings um, or a singlet because Andre wears a singlet and um, what's his face? Uh, King Kong Bundy wears a, a thing that makes him look like Shamu. Um, a doublet, I guess. Uh, but um, but you have this same thing and, and uh, Hulk Hogan comes out to the music, I am a real American. So it's all very much what you're yeah. talking about. That individualism against collective malaise, that Reaganism against the unions. It's 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 all the things that yeah. you're talking about. Oh, and also the Soviet Union. Yeah. Um and Hogan had beaten up um foreign people for uh, from eighty five to eighty six. Those were most of the bad guys he fought. Um yeah. and then he starts fighting on the Heenan family for the most part. So uh, another parallel. That's all in the ether at that time, and that's that's I guess where I'll yeah. leave it because it's pro wrestling. So there you go. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Thank you Very for this. Cool. This was fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I've I, I had I had a lot of fun uh, putting this together, uh, doing all the research. Uh, so yeah. No. I've 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 had fun doing it. So that leaves us with a question that we end on. What What are you reading right now? I picked up. Uh, a copy of the National Geographic Atlas of the Roman World. And it's got 30 different maps of the Roman world inside. So I have just been cheesing over that. It's pretty cool. Um, Very cool. It's it's light reading, but it's fun reading. So that's what I'm reading. No, that that works. How about you? What are you reading? Um, I am rereading Dune. Ooh. And for for the podcast, nice because I'm still still trying to find a find a biting angle mm-hmm. to get into it for this for, but um, I I have uh, noted uh, how very florid mm-hmm. uh, uh, Herbert's writing actually is, which I had forgotten about. Mm. Um, his dialogue, <laughs> his dialogue is straight out of. Uh, Buck Rogers serial. Oh, is this not a wondrous thing that I, the Baron Harkonnen do is, is like, that is, that is the introduction line for wow. the villain of the book. 
Wow. Like that's very, yeah. when was Dune written? Um, I got to go back and take a look. Sixties. Okay, I was gonna say it's very Stanley. It is. Yeah. It's it's the same kind of florid kind yeah. of kind of kind of you know arch kind of kind of yeah. language. Um, and I think I just found. Well, I might have just found my angle, nice. but that's for another time. But so that anyway, that's that's is another thing. story. But that but that is another story. All right. Well, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. You can find me at Duh Harmony on the Twitter or uh, at Duh Harmony on the Insta. And you could even just type in my name on YouTube and find some of my comedy, including a performance that I did at the Apollo uh, Temple in Syracuse. Who are you and what are you going to say to say goodbye? Uh, my name is Ed Blaylock. Uh, you can find me at E.H. Blaylock on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at m- uh, Mr. Blaylock on uh, the uh, Instagram. And you can find the two of us together at Geek History Time on the Twitter machine. And until next time, for a Geek History of Time, keep rolling 20s.